everybody, and welcome back to the DM's Book Club, your menagerie of random facts about D&D written in books and then read by people who like books. I'm Ryan. I like books, and I like reading about D&D. And I also have somebody here with me who possibly likes books and definitely likes D&D. <laughs> it's Fee. Hello. Hello. See, that's seamless. I had to read my first line, and then I can't think of a second line. That was seamless. How do you do it? A natural just, improviser. I hate just it. Skill. Skill. Just skill. It's charisma. Yes, yeah, I rolled high. Didn't get very high on wisdom, which oh. doesn't help when it comes to being scammed in life. So, you know, <laughs> I have a lot of friends, a lot of people taking money from me, but it's all good. How are you? You're right. I'm good, thank you. Um, I'm still going through the last of my Easter chocolate. My mother sent me, like, because I, I, I'm one of those people, as you know, who just 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 buy stuff like that for myself just because i'm like i can't bother like you you remember uh, the christmas debacle i had where i was like oh, i yes. don't have any christmas decorations and then you and sarah your wife were like what and then suddenly i get a christmas tree and all this sort of thing which is lovely and that you was not, not have christmas decorations that's a terrifying thought i mean everyone needs at least a christmas tree and a copy of muppet's christmas carol because without true. these things how is it festive it's, it's impossible got it right here got it right here hey, hey. Uh, that was pointless for people listening to podcasts but anyway my my mother so she will pack a huge box of chocolate and my god i don't think i've had this much chocolate in maybe about six months and it's it basically has become something for every meal i've, I've currently eat, I've eaten like yeah. two rabbits and now i'm going on to a big chocolate hen and it's uh ugh. it's it's disgusting isn't it the problem with easter eggs is because they're hollow they look so big mm. and then once you actually start eating into them you start eating them very quickly and mm -hmm. before you know it the thing's gone and you're looking at the space that was left by this <laughs> absence of egg and thinking oh my god i am a terrifying gluttonous troll you, i should yeah. not be allowed out into society <laughs> i am disgusting and actually you haven't been it's probably only had about 50 grams of chocolate in the entire mm -hmm. 17 feet big thing but <laughs> you know it's it's just one of those things that yeah i, I totally get you i don't think I have an Easter chocolate left and I had a far terrifyingly large amount I am um, I don't know about anybody else but I, I have a desk job which means I, I work remotely but I, I sit at a desk all day and normally in life I don't really stack too much as soon as work starts and as soon as I'm by my desk I am a machine I will eat and eat and eat and eat all day I don't know if it's boredom stress mm. eating I don't know if, yeah boredom eating I don't know if it's stress eating I don't know if it's just eating that I've associated with doing my work. I'm not sure. Mm. It doesn't burn any calories. It's mm. a desk job. So, but I will get through like four bags of crisps and two mm. bananas and two apples and a pear. And then I'm like, well, I've had my fruit. So now I'm going to have my chocolate. And then, then it's lunchtime. And I'm like, yeah, the times I've been around to yours when we do work from home days, I was like, I just want water and a cup of tea. I don't I need several bags of crisps and fruit. What? I know. I know. But the thing is, you kept bringing crisps around. So I did. I, I didn't just, help. I just assumed. <laughs> I just assumed that was what you wanted. You're like, oh, well, I don't buy these things for myself. I'm buying them for you. But if yeah. they happen to be in front of me, then oh, that's that, totally that, fine. That's, that is the British polite look. Okay, enough. <laughs> enough. <laughs> Talking about eating habits and Easter stuff. Do you want to know what we're talking about today, Ryan? I will tell you because I'm supposed to be hosting this. So sit mm. back down, Fee. Whoa. I will give you the hosting. Cool. So, Fee, would yes. you like to know what we're doing today? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> would I like to know? Would you like to know? Uh, yes. So, Ryan, let's talk about 
player backstories. You know, mm-hmm. those you you go, I want to run a campaign. And people go, yes, I have an idea for, for a character. And you go, great. Well, just come up with a few, few sentences, just something to flesh out, just to give me something to bounce off to. And you get a creative assignment back, a little four-page novel of, you know, names of places that definitely don't exist in your campaign until now. And you you send it back and you go, oh, very good. Nine out of 10. Uh, what's your spelling? But I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for a creative assignment for me to mark. I wanted something just to bounce off a few little prompts of things. And when we've talked about character creation before, we've talked about, you know, coming up with some like personality uh, ideals, you know, bonds, flaws, etc. That's sort of like, what is it that makes your character you? What makes you stand out as an adventurer compared to a minor character? Mm. And it turns out, I think people find it a lot harder than they think. So uh, behind the scenes, we're creating, uh, we're going to run Curse of Strahd. And I've sort of said it to people, said like, you can do whatever you want, just don't overthink it. And turns out people are overthinking <laughs> quite a bit. Um, I'm curious as to where I am in this whole scale. Am I overthinking it or have no. I done, I don't think I've done enough, have I? Oh no, you've done, you've done the perfect amount of literally three paragraphs with a couple of little details. And the, po- the point of this, when you have a backstory, Good. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> Phew, yeah, this this whole episode is about you, Ryan. Look, <laughs> no, I feel like, I guess, I don't know, because I've always come at characters going like, well, what are the basics that I can have? And then when we're playing the campaign, I can grow on them, I can develop them as they go, because it's a collaboration rather than here is a character that's fully formed, per se. Like, I remember when we talked about our, our very first D&D session way back when, and you asked for a reason for us to go somewhere like, at the table, and I was like, I've been invited to this fancy guild. And that was it. And that just spawned off this whole sort of thing that which you know weaved back into the, to the backstory of the artificer and having a rival, just something very straightforward. And it's something that, you know, as the DM, you can take off to it. But when it gets to a point where, I guess, depending on the theme of the campaign, whether it's like a, a gothic horror or a heist or something like that, you need a little bit of tweaking just to fit, like, why would your character be doing this? Or why are they here at this moment, at this time, and this happens to them? So today, I thought we'll do something completely different. Uh, <laughs> instead of looking at a D&D book or any sort of D&D published materials on how to do it, we're going to look at this book. It is the ultimate RPG character backstory guide, prompts and activities to create the most interesting story for your characters by James mm. DeMatto. I have never heard of that. This is no. an intriguing book. Mm. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. So James uh, runs a very similar podcast to my own. He runs the One Shot podcast, which mm. uh, takes off lots of different systems. And he plays with very famous celebrities and is doing incredibly well in the One Shot <laughs> series. Not that I'm jealous at all. But what's cool about James is that because he knows so much about these different systems, obviously he's created thousands and thousands of different characters all for these one-off sessions and I think this book that he uh, sort of wrote in 2018 just gives a little sample like things to think about that aren't necessarily like write an essay Uh, just a few prompts here and there and yeah I thought we'd just go through a few of them and just pick out some exercises because it is a difficult thing there is the idea that if you overthink something and you over prepared you pigeonhole your character into being so precise that the dm can't actually run with it 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 Mm -hmm. is something that happens if you turn up with a four-page backstory it's fantastic that you thought about it so much and you care about the campaign that much that that will never be taken away there, there is always appreciation there and there you would rather have somebody turn up with that than nothing yes. because that's like you, you can't guarantee somebody's actually willing to engage with your campaign and and really get involved with it so i totally 
get why people feel like they need to overprepare for these things. But as you say, the more detail you give, the more shoehorned your character is in terms of not just how they deal with the world, but also mm -hmm. the things that the DM can throw at you. Mm -hmm. If you have 15 brothers and sisters of which every single one is clearly identified and has a role and name and a relation, mm -hmm. not only can the DM find that overwhelming, but if they wanted to riff and try and come up with something that fits into what they have thought about with their own campaign, because they have their own story that they want to be sort mm -hmm. of producing, mm -hmm. and it doesn't fit perfectly into your backstory, it might be a bit awkward. You may not just not use it at all. Mm -hmm. So as you say, having open backstory, I have three siblings, none of us get on. Yeah. That, I mean, that that Perfect. is like something that you could work with because then it's like actually you can create it on the fly mm -hmm. and and be like, oh, your your siblings here. Maybe you go, oh no, are they? Uh, <laughs> Who are they? And, and <laughs> and that actually, yeah, that's actually a really good example, actually, because um again, I appreciate if people haven't seen high rollers, then that's the thing. But way back in campaign one, they have a player called uh uh oh Reynard. Is that Reynard. I was literally just about to say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And there was a great sort of when that sort of finished that campaign, there's a big uh like sort of ask me anything, and they talked about Reynard's family. So obviously it comes from a very famous line and, and sort of like rich sort of aristocracy. But Tom, the player, sort of given a few names to Mark, the sort of DM. And hadn't really, obviously hadn't said anything more. And Mark just took it and had some incredible siblings. Like, you know, the big brother was like, you don't. Like, that's yeah. sort of like big. And, and you can, when you watch it back, you can see Tom's surprise, the yeah. utter yeah. joy of that happening. He, he, all, he, all he had said is that he didn't get on with his parents <sighs> who mm -hmm. were overbearing and disapproving of his lifestyle and he'd left it that and forgotten about it yeah so the first time the father marches in <gasps> and is like blah, 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 and like this created character and he's reacting live and going i now understand why my character doesn't like his father exactly <laughs> joy. Oh, yeah joy to the hold. yeah no you're right it, it is that perfect line of you thought enough about how who you want your character to be but you're not being so precise that your dm can't influence mm -hmm. it because ultimately there is that analogy of the dm's world is only good as the player's input and dm's exactly. are told a lot to be flexible and to let the characters like influence the world that you're building because that's mm -hmm. how you create a campaign that's memorable and special to you you know you've mm -hmm. even I've, I've heard you talking about so it's a, he's been preparing for curse of strad for a couple of months now and it's a big book like mm -hmm. I've, i haven't actually read through it i've been deliberately trying not to but like any module it has a huge amount of information mm -hmm. and if you just play it out of a book as it is that would be a great campaign but i've heard the talking about how she's going to tweak it in little bits or maybe personalize certain bits and mm -hmm. it's that stuff as the module becomes just warped and changed by what the players are doing but also the creativity they bring to the table that's mm. that's really what makes it memorable when the campaign is just like oh actually that's not how it's written but this is great because you've taken your own flavor to this and that's fine and mm. as you say if you if you funnel too much information into it and you find yourself correcting the DM, being that actually, no, that's not that sibling, that's, uh, that's actually mm. this one. Uh, or, or like, oh, that's not what I wrote, and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. it, it, you can take away from that sort of free-flowing experience. It can be a mm. little bit... Um, yeah, limited, constrained. Oh, disappointment as well. Like if you've got it in your head that you have all them like this and then it happens, you're like, well, that's not how I imagine it. And that's why I think sometimes when you're writing about your own character, it, obviously it's like fan fiction. Like you've written it in a certain way how these are your characters. But if you look back at like the original TV show or book, 
it's not, you know, that's how one person has interpreted it. So yeah, D&D is that sort of interesting, amazing thing where it's collaborating and you, you don't always agree on things. It's always about compromising and you get a better thing of it because you have a sort of this group mind meld thing happening. So absolutely. And even, I mean, we've had it written uh, in our Zerios campaign very recently where we've had like sort of references to previous characters from, you know, other campaigns, which, you know, poor David has no idea, but me and Sam were like, ah, ah, because obviously that refers to, to, you know, something that we said four years ago, you know, and mm. that, that stuff like that is what is, makes the joy of it. And it's just like little snippets here and there. So it's just something to bear in mind as a GM. It's like you, if you get, you know, five wonderful essays, don't feel bad about going back to them and going, this is great, but you need to truncate it down to bullet points. As I, I think I got to a point with one of the players saying like, this is great. What are the main headlines? What is the, what's the stuff I can look at and go, that is your character. You pull out three big headlines, essentially. Yeah, I, I, I can just guess who that is. I don't know exactly who that is. No names. <laughs> no exactly names. the same thing to me. And it was like, oh, hello. Yeah. Um, okay, we're not going to this place for a while because I need to get my head around. This. Yeah, I need to put it there. So, Brian, so we're going to look at this book. So the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, which I've now said properly. Um, so in this book, um, <laughs> what, what's great about it? So obviously when we are creating characters, we're normally thinking, oh, it's an early on, you know, at least level one to three, etc. But what's great about this book, what James has done, is that you split it up into three types. We've got, you know, for humble beginnings, so levels one to seven. And then you've got uh, sort of veteran heroes at eight to 14. And then finally, myths and legends, which is mm. levels 15 to 20. And I think that's also an interesting one because again maybe for one shots or if you're wanted running out more high level campaign you don't want to get all the guff about like oh i'm just starting out an adventure then you might need to have a think about like you know what has this character done previously to make them who they are they, you know they're not starting out with no experience per se mm. so yeah so i thought what we'd do is that we'll take like an exercise from each one and then either you can create it for the same character or for three different characters or we just off the fly just sort of improvise so you can mm. either choose Oh, like roll the dice or, or pick a number or i have some suggestions if you fancy it perfect i mean should we should we start from humble beginnings like i feel like that's probably a good place to go a good place to start at humble beginnings yes so uh if you wish to pick a number you've got uh between one and 34 oh mm. hello um well why don't we go for everyone's favorite 13 then unlucky for some okay Oh, I love the title already. This this exercise is called What Drives You Forward? So oh. Here is an exercise to help develop the ways in which your core motivations spur your decisions. Answer the prompts to develop deep motivations for your character. Mm, deep. deep. This is already getting intense. Cool. So we'll do a couple of these because, again, we don't want to spend too much time on it. So the first prompt is just called Fighting for Your Life. You're at death's door. Your breath is shallow and ragged. Your joints cry and ache. Every physical part of you longs to lie down and rest, come what may. And then the prompt is, what image appears in your mind that inspires you to keep fighting? Oh, wow. That's a good one to think about, isn't it? Mm. So is it, we're making a character right now. Yeah, we could, well, if you could, if you think of a character you have in mind, or if you're just thinking off the tough, like, what would you say if you're thinking of it? Oh, that's a difficult one, isn't it? I think... You, you'd want to give your character something that was, yeah, personal to them or it's a good way of thinking in some sort of backstory, isn't it? So like mm. a face of a loved one, a parent, or maybe a mm. spouse that had been taken away or maybe was still alive. A lot, a lot of backstories are quite tragic. So maybe it could be somebody who actually is still alive and and uh, and, and around, you know? Mm. What, if, what if your character was just an actual wholesome parent 
who yeah. was going and making a wage and actually did have kids back home and was like, no, I do, I do kind of need to get back to them. So yeah, a family you know. tie. Yeah. And another thing we sort of we do sort of talk about, or something I've said about in sort of making characters is that what give us some names of people. So like we said before, like having sibling names or stuff like that, something that you it ties you to a place or to to a responsibility. And as soon as you sort of like sort of twang that string, suddenly you're like, oh, no, that that's my thing. Yeah, I know it's just a name, but I've twanged it. And so that's something. Sort of so yeah, I, I, I loved one, a spouse or a child. That could be a really good one. The other one I thought about was maybe like a maybe if you're uh, in the sort of uh, priesthood or maybe a religion, maybe the face of your God willing you to go on, mm. anything like that. So yeah, yeah, that's that's quite good. I mean, you could even go dark and broody and have like the your arch enemy or your your rival in some way to like spur you on. This person wouldn't lie down and die they're probably going killing people still so you know you better get back up they'll take all the glory if you if you die right now so you have to keep going glory that's what i want all right okay so the second bit is without a clue the trail is cold following every clue has led you back to the same place of uncertainty from which you started you can feel icy dread creeping over you as you consider the possibility of re-examining everything that brought you to this point so the prompt is what physical object do you instinctively reach for in this moment? What comfort does it bring? Oh, well, if you wanted to give your character a little bit of like a nervous tick, it could be something like reaching towards an alcohol flask or, mm. or something that they like a, a smoke box to, to light a, some sort of cigarette. It could be, if you're thinking like a fighter or a military person, it could be, you know, instinctually reaching towards the sword of somebody that once was you know important to you mm. um that's maybe driving you forward in said way maybe even a, like a calling card that was left for you at some point yes. that is clearly the only thing that tells you that there is something deliberate at play here but none of the other clues have led you to something so you're like i've got this still this must mean something yeah like i like the idea like like a momentous bit like a coin so i think like you know when you, when you rub it and you're sort of thinking about it almost like sort of sherlock holmes-esque that mm. yeah i like that mm. that's quite cool all right, and then we'll go for the final one of this before we move on. Uh, we'll do Lost Your Way. In the pursuit of righting wrongs, the line between good and evil has become blurred. You have done things you could never have imagined doing before, but you're not sure if that crossed the line. What words guide you towards you, your mortal centre and who said them to you? Oh, it could be, uh, you know, a relative or some sort of grandparent of importance who maybe was wise, an elder, or just a, the, you know, the member of your family that you liked if maybe your parents weren't necessarily too close to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, again, your deity, your god, your patron. If you're a warlock, that would be something that would be quite a simple one to put through. Either that, or perhaps, you know, you literally do have a devil on your shoulder. Maybe there's mm. been some sort of demonic presence or, or devilish presence that's been sort of whispering to you. They talk about a lot of um, races in, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to think through, it's like Volos and, and through Eberron, there's, there's things like Asimar and mm. Teethlings and the, I can never remember the name of them, but the creatures that have the connections to those, the dream plane with oh. the creatures that uh, like, yes. you know, I mean, it begins with a K of something. Um, uh, Kalashtar. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. And they, 
have sort of almost spirit guides that aren't really connected to them but give them feelings and dreams and things that maybe that could be the thing that like instinctually tells you whether something's right or wrong if you've displeased whatever like, like thing is a, like actually to. having something with you rather than like a like i said a distant relative or a distant mentor that's not with you just now yeah i like actually that. there yeah yeah like yeah i was thinking yeah like you said like some sort of mentors so i was thinking like almost dumbledore s you know we're meeting harry Ooh. in the in a teacher in, yeah expert, teacher. yeah mm, but, but who isn't necessarily um as perfect as you think so this the exercise again is in the humble beginning so it's like it's, these are just things to start you off with and you don't have to fill in too much backstory but again what you've done is perfect like just thought of these little threads and then just kept it short and i, I think that is the key thing like these they've only got space for like two lines in each one so i quite like that as a mm. as a one. Oh, is it one of those books where you actually write it into the actual pages? It is one of those books. I uh, and of course I haven't done it yet because I'm not I'm not doing that because I need this book. <laughs> I, you embrace writing in books. You know, it's worth it. That's what the Never. book is there for. Never. It's what it's designed for. No. All right, so we're now going to go on to veteran heroes. That's levels 8 to 14. Now, I need you to pick a number between 35 and 70. Oh, those are some big numbers. Mm. Why don't we go for 52? 52. How many playing cards in a deck? I like that number. Oh, okay. So for this one, we've got the exercise, which is called Hero's Best Friend. Oh. <laughs> some adventurers travel with trained animals that work as partners in their quests. A hero with an animal companion relies on it for some tasks, but understands that there are limits to a beast's capability. To create your animal companion, choose its qualities from the following categories and make sure it has an A, B, C, D, and E. So basically, we would just tick something for each one. So we've got uh, so the different categories we've got. We've got intelligence, or intellect, sorry, strength, stealth, sense, and loyalty. We'll just do three of those. So if you want to pick from those categories, I would go into them in a bit more detail. Oh, let's go intelligence. Why not? Intelligence, intellect. So you have to choose one of these options to create your creature. So we've got, uh, it has a supernatural intelligence. You would not be surprised if it turned out that this would be a great wizard in an animal form. You trust, <laughs> you trust the wisdom of this creature more than you trust most people. It knows what to do in most situations without instructions. And sometimes, despite bad instruction, this is a capable and quick learning beast. There are a few commands that it would not be mastered. It is able to master the most rudimentary of commands, but any idea too advanced gets lost easily. And five, you do not keep this creature for its powerful mind. Its foolishness often causes you both a great deal of trouble. So you've got a nice, <laughs> a nice scale of like really, really powerful intellectual understanding to it gets you into trouble. I always like the idea of having some an animal that's slightly foolish because it gives you more of that sort of present moment. Like it's like a floppy long-haired Labrador, isn't it? You don't mm -hmm. you don't buy a Labrador for its intelligence. You enjoy it for the fact that it smiles at people and like it's just real trouble. So I like that idea. I'm always, I'm always reticent as a as a player to have something that is like gets you into trouble because it's like mm. a mechanic of like oh no, player X has their dogs run into the tavern again and has alerted all of the guards and oh mm -hmm. what japery we're in this week. So I'm always aware of having like that sort of character. But I mean, saying that though, you could go for a supernatural like cat, for instance. I'm thinking Sabrina. Teenage oh Salem, Witch. yes. Oh, that's the one. Uh, cool. I mean, that would be hilarious, wouldn't it? Mm. Just a real snarky, clever cat. Mm. There's um, I just reread uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, did you ever read Sabriel? The um, oh, the bells. Next yes. book. Oh, yes. the bells. Yeah, and there's a there's a cat called Moggett who's really yeah. really sarcastic and sarcastic like, and evil though. That's a... oh yeah, and but like really clever and is utterly compelled to help 
the you know the, the abortion the, the the main character so they, they can't help themselves they have to help and they're really pissed off by that <laughs> i like that a lot um yeah i think going back to what you say about the foolish creatures that will get you into trouble i think that's on the dm to an extent to be like okay how much of the limelight does it take away because ultimately when you're thinking of doing sessions and stuff obviously players will talk for ages plan 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 and then it doesn't work out or they'll do something and you know it's not going to work but you let them do it i think stuff like this when there's an animal involved or, or something that's like not necessarily under the control of the creature it is up to the dm to be like okay you know if you're stealthing somewhere and you and that someone rolls a natural one that creature gets distracted you know that that's the sort of the critical fail that's what happens and ultimately it can be forgot about it i think like in critical role for example they have jester has various different animals that suddenly she remembers about even though they've probably been dead for several and it's just nice because obviously all the players are like oh it doesn't matter anymore that you're remembering all these creatures mm. and then similarly in the first campaign where it was i guess it was a bit more of a of a, a bigger thing wasn't it? when he had um, a trinket this massive bear mm. and they're like how are we going to get this bear up the mountain and then they figure it out by going right here is a pokeball necklace that you can keep trinket in <laughs> so you, there's always ways you can get around it i'd say so i guess when you're creating if you have an animal companion you don't need to worry about it too much but it's quite nice to have like that connection i guess and yeah to do something like that so Absolutely. so which one so which one are you thinking of then foolish high intelligence let's go foolish foolish all right so that's an e cool 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 all right so then we've got strength stealth sense and loyalty Guess sense why not sense yeah sense okay so your five options are you think this creature may possess some kind of supernatural gift for detection it seems to anticipate events before they begin to unfold it's capable of finding valuable information without great effort to call it impressive would be an understatement so that's option one even for creatures of its type this beast has uh, impressive senses far beyond those of any humanoid like most creatures some of its senses are sharper than a human's but others are considerably weaker it's good for specific circumstances. Um, four, it has one strong sense that allows it to function, but you wouldn't dream of setting it a task like tracking or watch. And then finally, perhaps due to, to age or injury, this creature lacks key senses. It is only barely functional under the best conditions. You must act as its eyes and ears at all times. It relies on you. I mean, that is hilarious, but let's go for, I like the idea of getting something that's like good at a purpose, but isn't totally like game breaking. So yeah, like uh, the middle option. So it's something that's got a few really good skills, mm. but for specialized tasks. All right, so, sharp, sharper than a human's, but considerably yeah. weaker than other person. Exactly. Okay, exactly. Cool. And we'll do one more. You've got uh, strength, stealth, or loyalty. Let's go loyalty. Yeah, I thought you were going to go for loyalty. All right. So now you have a bond between you and this creature is unbreakable. It would endure any trial to remain at your side. This creature will protect you and the things you care about with dauntless determination. There are few beings, living or dead, that you would rely on more than this creature. It sees you as family with an intense deeper, uh, intensity deeper than anything possible in the natural world. Its loyalty is only limited by its capability. You have a close bond with this creature, but it is limited by instinct. There are some circumstances in which animalistic self-preservation outweighs training. Still, in most circumstances, it can be relied on. Uh, four, you have a working relationship with this creature, but there are some <laughs> areas in which you have distinct trouble. It heeds you, but it knows you, you offer food and stability, and it can be swayed by an opportunistic instinct. And then finally, <laughs> calling this creature actively treacherous is probably going too far. Probably. 
you're still able to work with it, but it has constant, constant behavioral problems. And you get the impression that if you let your guard down, it could turn on you. Oh, I like something that's loyal. I wouldn't go loyal to the extent that it would like throw itself into fire, but definitely mm-hmm. something that's like sees you as family. Okay, so you've gone for B. Cool. And then you do the other ones as well. So you've got, I guess from that, you yeah, so you've got a creature that's foolish uh, to an extent. That's all right. And you've got like, you've got a sharp sense. So it's pretty average. And then, but it is so loyal. It is like family. So I quite like that. Again, that you've already got that in your sort of head if you were like a ranger or you had some sort of animal companion in some way. It's yeah. got a distinctive personality compared to like, I now have a panther. It attacks so yeah yeah. exactly exactly my panther will will it'll look after me but you know it's a bit dopey so i don't really set it too many jobs apart from sticking with me Uh, yeah because you don't want it to just suddenly turn on you at the last minute as a panther (laughs) no 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 definitely not all right so we'll then move on finally to myths and legends so these are for player characters at level 15 or 20 and you have a, a, a pick a number between 71 and 100 71 under 100 mm-hmm. let's let's go right to the top let's go 99 99 Ooh. this is interesting this because uh, as i say in our, in our campaign that we run privately they've all just hit level 15 and i don't think they've realized just what a what a step that is yeah no i'm aware <laughs> okay so this the final exercise is called not looking to get merlined taking on apprentice can be a life-changing event some masters gain new knowledge, personal fulfillment, and a meaningful relationship. Others get sealed in a tree. Uh, and then there is... <laughs> wow. There, there is a list of actions to be taken by your apprentice. If you find the action suspicious, tick its box. Now, at the end of the exercise, you, you can determine whether you trust the apprentice or not and roll a D100 to find out what happens. So I guess we'll just go through them in order and just say suspicious, not suspicious, and then just add... You just basically just do a tally of um, suspicious... At the end, I guess. Okay, okay. All right, so you are approached by a young person who wishes to become your apprentice. Is that suspicious to you or not no, suspicious to you? No. no, no. All right. Almost immediately, she impresses you with her skill and knowledge. That seems fair, otherwise they wouldn't have sought me out. She is undeniably attractive. Oh, I don't think that's suspicious. People can be, people can be who they are. <laughs> I'm a high-level character. I'm above these things. Hmm. Uh, she is eager to help with even the most unpleasant of tasks in your routine uh, well i mean i mean that is what she's kind of there for so no i'm not that suspicious yet this is fine this is this is fine okay her enthusiasm makes you feel a little guilty tasking her with dis- difficult chores oh um that ooh, would that be suspicious a suspicious is the wrong word isn't it no that's mm. it's more guilt no not suspicious not no. suspicious wow she shows talent and progresses quickly throughout basic lessons. No, so far, so good. It's a good apprentice. Yeah. You're just very trusting, Ryan, I think. Uh, she, she asks questions about your abilities and techniques that just about anyone could have heard of through stories. Oh, see, that is suspicious because, you know, she's been doing really, really well. So why is she asking really obvious questions? Mm. She follows those questions up with insightful uh, follow-ups that demonstrate a keen understanding of the subject. No, that's 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 again. That's what I expect. That's more. I'm, I'm more concerned about the simple questions. Okay. Her line of questioning begins to flirt with forbidden slash privileged information without actually crossing the line. Oh yes, that's suspicious. That's yeah, suspicious. Yeah. All right. Know your place. <laughs> She reacts with an apology and surprise when you turn the conversation away from dangerous topics. 
Mm, no, if, if she's crossed a line and she knows about it, that's fine. That's okay. what I'd expect. She becomes an undeniable asset to your work. That's, again, her purpose. You sneer at the thought of doing things that were so much more difficult before you took on an apprentice. Again, that's, that's the point of it. You find her diligently studying an advanced technique you did not personally teach her. Oh, that would be suspicious. Where did you get that information from? <laughs> she reacts with surprise when she discovers you are watching. Oh, because she thinks she was secret? No, I mean, yeah. Why would you be watching somebody? No, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she reacts with disappointment when you insist she keeps to the, your prescribed syllabus. Again, yeah, I mean, that's suspicious. Yeah, why, why, is, she, why is she going off? Who knows? Uh, she risks her life to protect something precious to you. No, that's her job. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I see this happening. You get an apprentice now. I see what happens. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yep, on uh, go, on to the She is seriously wounded in the process. That's, that's not suspicious. That's just like a traumatic event. <laughs> she apologizes profusely for what almost happened. Uh, and so she should. Uh, you spend long weeks nursing her back to health. That's not suspicious. Isn't, no, that's, that's fine. That that's feels like a good thing to do. Uh, in that time, it becomes clear that her dreams and ambitions are quite close to your own. Um, it's, I mean, she's been taught by me, so you'd hope so. <laughs> Uh, what attracted to you initially is underscored by her passion and dedication to ideas that you hold sacred. Again, two people who are doing the same thing like the same things. That's fair. Uh, she thanks you for your care with tearful earnestness. Mm, not suspicious, no. Uh, she has the most captivating eyes you have ever seen. <laughs> what is this book trying to imply? I I'm don't know. <laughs> uh, no, that's not suspicious. That's just who somebody is. Uh, she resumes her studies with commendable diligence and makes up for lost time. So she should. I've had to look after her for weeks. Yeah. Uh, you notice a change in her demeanour. She has difficulty focusing on certain tasks and has trouble meeting your eyes. Oh, suspicious. She's mm. carrying some sort of long-term injury. Mm. Uh, after an emotional and difficult day of training, you confront her about her behaviour. That's not suspicious. That's, that's fair. She tries to object and becomes flustered. Um, no, no, that's fine. I would do that if the boss started telling me off. I can't believe I'm reading this line. She confesses she has fallen in love with you. <laughs> I mean, that's not suspicious. I'm glorious. <laughs> uh, you cannot deny that some part of you returns these feelings. Mm, that would be suspicious. <laughs> it's I'm professional. You. Professional, yes. Life returns to a better sort of normal, and you're able to share secrets with an easy trust. No, that feels like just as I say, somebody somebody is just becoming a part of your life. Uh, both of you reach new levels of understanding as masters of your craft and as people. It was always destined that I was going to be brilliant at whatever I did, so that's fine. <laughs> you feel comfortable sharing forbidden knowledge that you would not trust another soul with. I am a gossip, that's fair. <laughs> uh, she takes in information with solemn dedication. Solemn dedication? Uh, solemn oh. dedication, yeah. Oh, blimey, you know, she's now depressed about it. Um, uh, no, no, again, maybe I'm just too trusting. This all seems fair. Mm. This all seems fine. She plans a romantic outing in the forest. So, uh, there's a romance now, is there? Dear, oh dear. Mm. Uh, I mean, that is suspicious, <laughs> yes. I don't like forests. <laughs> you arrive to find a picnic set up under a tree. 
a very large tree. A very large tree. <laughs> no, okay. Now that seems reasonable. We've picked a good destination for a picnic. There is a note that reads, I will join you soon, my love. Please sit and enjoy yourself whilst you wait for me. Oh, that is suspicious. Why is she not here? Why is she left the picnic? Bears could be at it. Uh, the, the basket is unopened and calls to you ominously. Oh, well, I'll have a look inside. I'm maybe a bit hungry. <laughs> not, not suspicious, okay. No. Uh, penultimate one. The day is gentle and sweet. The ideal conditions for passion. <laughs> yes, that's deeply suspicious. <laughs> that's the weather. No, that's fine. Okay, and then finally, you hear soft footsteps from the other side of the tree. Mm, I mean... I, I, if it's not deeply suspicious, I'm I'm a wizard. I'm I feel fairly safe in my abilities to keep myself protected. And this is where I probably get killed. So this is one of those things. Cool. All right. So that's all the questions. Uh, add up the number of boxes that you said were suspicious. So how many did you have in total? That is a good question. I may not have been keeping track. It's Let's. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I I, I vaguely was because most of them were not suspicious. So I yeah, think most of them weren't. It was it was less than ten, wasn't it? it, was, it was... I think it was between like three or five. I think it was quite low. So you're you're okay. just you're just being. Let's so say I, let, five. Why let's not? say five. Cool. All right. And as we multiply that by five, so that is twenty-five. Okay. That number is your suspicion. Decide in the moment if you trust your apprentice. So do you trust your apprentice? Yes. Okay. Roll a D100 and determine what happens based on your trust or distrust. Okay. D100. That is an 89. 89. So you've rolled over your suspicions from the trust. Uh, your apprentice has always been worthy of your love and trust. The basket contains a ring that she will use to pledge her love to you. And that is oh. the... <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. You see, it's always good to trust. I'm curious to see what would happen if I would roll under. Uh, I will tell you. Where's it gone? 99. Uh, it turns out she is a bugbear. And <laughs> you rolled under your suspicion. You missed the key red flags that bards will sing will name as they sing about your of your folly years from now. If it's any consolation, you're unlikely to hear those songs from inside the tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear hmm. so yeah so again that's something a little bit different something like again because now you've built up this character like you again how you thought of yourself in your head compared to uh this other person who then became your apprentice and making that relationship between them so very again. interesting where you got there and a little story at the end there you go there you go that's fine i'm I just clearly not suspicious enough <laughs> well it worked out fine so i don't i don't see what there you go trusting typical hufflepuff it was absolutely brilliant yeah, no, that's really cool. So uh, I assume that gives you a good backstory as to like your high level wizard now has an apprentice and that's kind mm -hmm. of how they go about things. Yeah. Uh, on in the previous ones, obviously something to drive you forward. Like if you're thinking of like certain situations where you are in certain level one, something like humble beginnings. So obviously like what, uh, what do you do? What drives you on to, you don't stop fighting, you don't die. Uh, and then creating like an animal companion sort of mid-level. If you're thinking about rangers or, or anything like that, just picking up an animal like, having that bond between them. So I think mm. quite a lot of these uh, exercises do rely on, it's interesting, I guess, because we always think about, oh, creating a backstory for your own character, but actually it involves the connections between other people and yeah. whether or not, you know, how much do you flesh that out? Because we did that all in like half an hour. And now we have three yeah. separate sort of stories that can be used anywhere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I guess you can always come up with this sort of stuff later down the line as well. You don't have to do it all at the beginning. You can mm -hmm. leave large chunks of your life open and then the DM comes to you and goes, oh, by the way, where did you go to school? Where did you learn your, you know, your arts or 
God, at that time you went on holiday to another continent. Mm. What happened there? Like, and you can you can add these things in later yeah. down the line. Absolutely. And yeah, just looking at some of the stuff, like in ones we didn't go, there's stuff like idioms, like you come up with an idiom or a catchphrase for your character. Uh, holidays. So if you're thinking of anything special that you want to say, like, you know, something that's not celebrated here, what could it be? And finders keepers, like you, you find a fallen adventurer, like what do you take from that adventurer? Do you take any of the gold and stuff, which most people tend to do? It's just some ways of thinking about a character, about maybe a specific sort of like exercise or a specific thing that's not necessarily like, I was born here. I'm all my life. I've always wanted to be an adventurer. And it's like, that's boring. That's boring. Let's, let's think of something else and create those bonds to other characters that then could be used later on. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's really cool. There you go. So now we have a high level character with uh, a pet, some sort of motivation and an apprentice. Maybe all the same thing you never know it was never specified yeah. that bruce the guinea pig is actually the reason i fight and who i trained as a wizard yeah. so there we go bruce <laughs> oh bless <laughs> the foolish the foolish guinea pig yeah exactly but forever loyal i like that forever loyal forever loyal exactly would never never trap me in the tree that bruce <laughs> Well, there you go. No, that was really, really awesome. So as I say, it sounds like a very good book. Is that, I assume, available from most good D&D bookshops and Amazon-based services? Well, very, very good. They're smooth, seamless. Yes, you can get that pretty much anywhere. I think most uh, friendly local game stores will have them. Uh, Waterstones, also a good option if you had it. Barnes & Noble, if you're in the US. But yeah, uh, pretty much. And they, he does have another book, which conveniently is not to hand but it's uh about gameplay and how to like role play better if you're struggling with it uh i think it's like the greatest mm. gameplay book ever that came out very recently uh so i can recommend those but yeah just thought something a little bit different there's some creative you know creative exercises Ooh, creative exercise earlier in the morning just to get there our brains for the day brilliant my brain is frazzled and it is utterly knackered and mm. i'm gonna go through my day just thinking of why that apprentice was suspicious because clearly i missed some signs somewhere <laughs> along the line but there we go so uh, what are you up to at the moment where can we find you outside of creating D&D backstories well I'm outside creating backstories uh, or just saying I'm doing a very less successful one-shot podcast uh, version oh, it's doing very well I'll have <laughs> you know it's doing it's doing okay uh, I run the what am I rolling podcast a twice monthly RPG one-shot podcast there's a couple more episodes coming out we've got the land of Eam which is like a an adventure time s high fantasy game coming out which is good fun really enjoyed running that I'm gonna probably do I commit myself to this now there's a game called Field of Memories, which is like a solo Ooh. journaling game where your mentor, some uh, a doctor in her field uh, of like advanced biology, just think David Attenborough, but with like supernatural creatures, has mysteriously Ooh. gone missing and has been declared dead after five years. And you're trying to get her collection, her the, the sort of access to her papers because she was your mm. mentor. And having that that sort of like you know the mourning and loss of those sort of things, um, which it's, it's been quite good. I've only done one page so far. I'm going to have to do another twenty at some point no, I'll, <laughs> I'll fix that around and because i forgot to say in the last episode we do have a uh, a code for your friendly local game store third space gaming uh you get 10 percent off at checkout if you use the code dmbc on any of the products upon your first order which is there we go. super fun that's very exciting isn't it it's, it feels like something that's way too advanced for you know us humble humble book readers it's <laughs> it's, it's it's very cool well, what, like what about you ryan what are you what are you plugging what are you selling what do you what's what you what you up to man 
well, what are you after, really? I've got a bit of everything, a bit of, bit of this, bit of bit that. Buying, um, bit selling. Bit <laughs> I am going through life, trying to find time to edit. Seems to be my my problems at the moment. I've got a, a YouTube channel, Ursa Ryan, which I am very enjoying, but like any project, is spiraling out of control and takes more and more of your time up as you go through life. So that's always good fun. But you can come and say hello on there, leave a comment. I'll, um, I'll see it and... Uh, yeah, I'll say yeah. hello. See it and selectively reply back if it's a good enough comment. Yeah, I see. If you it. mentioned that you've come from the DMs Book Club, I will certainly reply to that because I will be like, oh, that's cool. I just cool. ignore anything Fiona puts. Actually, let's face it, she doesn't watch my videos. I don't think you've watched a single one. They're boring. I, I did when I was a Only yeah. when I was putting the D&D stuff up, yeah. <laughs> because that, that's, my, that's our brand anyway. But yeah, I mean, you've got you've got like a load of other people watching them and commenting them like on Reddit and, and stuff. So you don't, you don't need me. <laughs> apparently posts have been going up on reddit about my stuff and i didn't even realize i that was a thing i was like yeah cool no, me awesome. neither me neither we probably should start doing that for this but i i can't be bothered that's another another outlet i need to monitor honestly so. the amount of time this all takes up to do just begins to spiral after a while there's, yep. there's only so much you can do exactly, exactly. <laughs> well that was really good fun i will genuinely take that stuff away and i'll maybe even have a look and see if i can get the book but until that point we will all see you in the next episode which conveniently is probably about to start now if you are behind on listening wow. and you've been going through the back catalogue so i'll see you <laughs> in approximately one jingles time goodbye goodbye what <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.